Hey everyone, and welcome to the Tech Leadership Decoded podcast, where through conversations we unravel the intricacies of leadership in the tech industry. My name is Aaron, and I'm a tech lead here based in London, UK. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Tobias Mender, a leader, mentor, and tech advisor. And together we'll be answering that question, why do we need to stop measuring developer productivity? I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, please can you take a moment to like this episode and leave a review on the platform you're currently listening to it on? It really helps us reach more people like you interested in tech leadership. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. Okay, good morning, Tobias, and welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a great week so far. For the audience, I read a um, pop, sorry, I read an, a LinkedIn blog post, and it was all around developer productivity and how we measure it or we shouldn't measure it and things like that and so I immediately reached out and thankfully you said you'll come on the podcast and talk about it but before we get into that because I'm super excited to talk about it actually um would you just give us a little brief intro about you and how you know your career and how this blog post came to be yeah sure thank you for inviting me to your podcast Aaron I'm very excited to be here uh, my name is Toby, and I've been working in software engineering for about 20 years now, and I spent over five years as a tech and product lead in various companies in remote and hybrid teams, and uh, lately in one developer experience team, which I built up from scratch, uh, then that brought me to the topic of developer experience and developer productivity and thinking about how we can uh, increase the engineering excellence and happiness. And today I'm working as a coaching consultant for software companies uh, and as their partner for those topics. Awesome. Cool. Um, So I know that the the blog post is split into two parts. So what I thought we'd do is we'd start with part one (laughs) and you've got some good headlines. So I thought the headlines could just basically be the questions. What do you think is wrong? First of all, high level, what do you think is wrong with measuring developer productivity? So um, actually, that goes uh, back already um, 20 years, I think, uh, um, when uh, Martin Fowler um, wrote that uh, you cannot measure developer productivity because you um, cannot measure output. Okay. And that's kind of the issue, because what is engineering output? Um, You might think, okay, well, it's code. maybe because engineers produce code. But then on the other hand, is that really valuable? And uh, today we know code isn't an asset, right? Code is a liability. So producing a lot of code is not uh, not a quality of a great engineer. And um, that, that means we cannot measure output just by the amount of code, but we need to measure it by business value. So how do you measure business value then? And that's something we can also not measure in the moment we are creating a feature, for example, because when we are creating a feature, we are not knowing yet how long will this feature be in production? How many customers will it attract? What will customers pay for it? And also the other side, how much bugs do we have because of that? How much incidents? How much maintenance effort does this feature cost us? So the output is something we can maybe estimate or probably more likely guess and because we cannot measure the output, everything else uh, to measure developer productivity is, in my opinion, based the time uh, 
because we are only measuring some some uh, meta or some um, proxy metrics that um, can help us to understand okay how often do we deploy to production and these kind of things which are valuable but in the end it's not about developer productivity it's about um, our flow and developer flow and this is uh, something that's more interesting to measure but it doesn't give us any idea about productivity in the end mm -hmm. and you mentioned in your blog post, uh, the the title of the section was "The Lie About Sales Productivity," which I thought was interesting. So, do you want to explain that concept? Yes. Uh, so the the reason why people are looking for to measure developer productivity, I think, is because they assume they can measure productivity in other areas, for example, sales. And it sounds logical, right? Mm -hmm. um, a deal closed, that's, that's productivity because then we have a client and that's, that's the output of a sales team. But when we think about it more closely, then that isn't the end of the story. It's just the beginning. Once we have the client, the question is how long will this client stay? How happy are they with our product? Will they recommend the product? Or will they demand a lot of other features that we still need to build in order to keep this client happy? And so also... Um, just having a lot of sales and attracting a lot of clients can be negatively affecting productivity and the, the business value when those clients are not the right clients, when the, those clients just close deals because they were promised some feature that isn't in existence yet, that, that engineering hasn't built yet, then that creates pressure on the engineering department to build that feature. And thus, this means that they need to prioritize that. This means that they take shortcuts, that they don't finish what they actually think should be built based on uh, product um, uh, management. And then a client can actually be something that you don't want to have. So uh, just having just closing clients and just closing deals with uh, annual, annual recurring revenue of X doesn't mean that this is also... Uh, the value for the company. There are other things involved, and this makes measuring sales productivity uh, in the big picture, in my opinion, a lot more complicated than just by these numbers. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I think you, you give some other examples of other departments like a HR, um, just hiring the wrong people because they're just trying to fill quotas is another example. Yes. And um, I think exactly. the best quote out of that whole section was the one you've got, Godhart's Law, so when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. I think that's mm -hmm. a very, very good one. <laughs> and I like that a lot. Yes. So you've said we shouldn't measure it, but I guess, um, well, I, I'm assuming that we have to measure something, right? So, Because um, again, naivety, I've come from it's a lot of places of Sprint, Scrum, Agile, and that's how they're measuring it, right? You have this traditional kind of, um, you're measuring your story points or you're measuring your releases and things like this. So what what do you think we should be doing instead? Or, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, uh, of course. So one thing that I believe is uh, the um, measures such as story points or deployments made or so, uh, and also all the Dora metrics are lagging indicators in, in, in a sense. So uh, when when those go down, then you can look into it and see, okay, why does this happen? Do we have a problem here? They, they are indicators for that, but they don't tell you much about the productivity because maybe the team just changed how they work. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, what I find quite valuable is to think about developer experience and how we can measure developer experience. So 
how can we measure how enjoyable it is for engineers to work in the system, how much flow do they have, how much feedback do they get, and these kind of things we can measure. First of all, we can measure those using surveys, not like this hard data that we get from our systems, like, okay, you have uh, 10 commits uh, per day and you have uh, every engineer creates an average of 1,000 lines of codes per week or something, <laughs> but uh, more like um, we can ask engineers in the end, how do they feel about uh, their productivity? How do they feel about their excellence? What is blocking them? Where do they feel that they are wasting most of the time? And that gives us a picture of where do people think there is an improvement opportunity? And when we improve those uh, bottlenecks and we re uh, remove those bottlenecks, then that eventually also increases the productivity. So without even measuring productivity, we can still improve the productivity by listening to engineers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I think um, one of the things I learned when I transitioned from an individual contributor into a, a leadership role was that you do start looking at um, measuring differently. So as an individual contributor, I'm just looking at have I got my task over, have I done it in the time that I said I'd do it, that kind of stuff. Whereas like what you allude to there is as a team leader, you start looking at it more holistically globally and kind of what are the areas of productivity and where are we slowing down, speeding up, what areas? Because like you say, every developer is individual and they can they all have their own quirks and individualism that makes them either faster in one area or slower in the other area. But the one thing that we all have in common is generally like the tool chain that we're doing, the product that we're working on, that's all very similar. So I think what you said there about looking into listening, sorry, to what developers are saying is, you know, their, their pain points is definitely an interesting thing. And I've always found that generally, and this is from me personally, I've generally found that it normally is like a, a tooling issue that normally is the, the slowing down for a lot of things for me. It's like, um, I'm not able to test properly because of this. I'm not able to deploy fast enough because of this. And um, mm -hmm. I generally find it rare that a coder goes, I couldn't code fast enough because my hand didn't type quick enough. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> so, yes. or, or like you say, it becomes a lack of documentation. So I think, yeah, um, definitely looking into these um, mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, and you, yeah, go on. You mentioned, you mentioned another important thing there um, also, I think, that it's not about individual performance in this case. This is, we are so used to think about individual performance historically from, from management, but this is actually not what software engineering is. Software engineering is, is team effort. And in the end, uh, the team performance matters. So we cannot, like when we measure by code output, for example, uh, it might be that an engineer doesn't output any code because they are more in a, navigator position in a, in a pair programming or team programming session because they are more experienced and distribute their knowledge to other team members, then their productivity in that metric uh, is low and measuring the productivity by such a metric would then lead these engineers to not do that anymore, but to code more themselves in isolation. And this is actually the opposite from what you want. So this is a good example of Gotthard's law in, in effect that it uh, turns people into the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So in your um, first blog post as well, you mentioned something called a Dora metrics or space framework. Do you want to 
explain a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the um, the Dora metrics are pretty well known, um, uh, probably because they are there since the I think Accelerate since the book Accelerate came out, they gained a lot of popularity. They are deployment frequency, lead time for changes, change failure rate, and time to restore, and um, they are. Um, they are DevOps metrics. Uh, so DORA stands for DevOps Research and Assessment. So uh, they are metrics how well a team is doing in terms of uh, continuous deployment or deployments in general, uh, how much defects do they introduce, how quickly they can restore their services and these kind of things. And uh, these are, well, they are labeled, I think, developer productivity metrics. And I think that's also as close as we, as we get to developer productivity there. But I think it's in the end, it's not developer productivity. It's just a proxy metric that can make sense for a team to measure. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it makes sense for others to measure them globally for all the teams and then compare teams by those. So they can give a team insights in their own productivity. So as a team, we can decide we would like to measure those metrics and then reflect on do we like what we see or do we think we can do better there? Um, so that's that's Dora. The space framework um, is a framework that spans five dimensions, uh, and every letter stands for stands for one. So um, the S is, for example, satisfaction and well-being, and the space framework is um, is uh, was introduced by Nicole Foscreen and others uh, a while ago to um, show people what kind of dimensions to think about when they think about developer productivity. Uh, and it's also relevant for developer experience because what they said, and a lot of research is backing this, that satisfaction and well-being is one of the most important factors when we want to achieve developer productivity. And coincidentally, it's also one of the most important factors when we want to achieve high developer experience. It's not a surprise that people who feel um, well in their job and um, are satisfied with their work and have a purpose in their work and understand why they are doing what they are doing and are not blocked by too many bureaucracy and policies and uh, other teams are just more um, productive uh, and also more happy in, in their work. So the space framework, um, I'm not sure if you want to go into detail there, but uh, it, yeah, it spans these five dimensions and um, that can be used. Uh, and I like to use it, for example, when thinking about developer experience uh, surveys, when I create them for clients, the space framework gives me like guidance, not just to go into one, uh, into one of the dimensions too much, because for example, the A is uh, activity in space. Mm -hmm. And uh, many people tend to go a lot into activity or in, in some performance metrics, but they don't go into satisfaction, well-being, or collaboration and communication, which would be the C in space. So uh, having the space framework uh, can help leaders to um, ask better questions when they think about surveys. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a lot, a lot to um, digest there. So we've got the Dora, which I've got them up because I ain't going to remember them like you said. <laughs> but you've got developer frequency, lead time, change failure rate, time to restore, that kind of stuff. And then we have the space, which tell me if I'm getting this wrong because I'm not looking it up correctly. But satisfaction, performance, activity, communication, efficiency. So that's a lot of metrics. <laughs> Can too many metrics be a burden? Yeah, so the space framework 
Um, those are not metrics, okay. uh, but dimensions. Okay. And you can measure every dimension with multiple metrics okay. or none at all. Right, so, following. <laughs> uh, it depends. For example, satisfaction and well-being, we can uh, measure by, by asking questions in the survey, right? Mm -hmm. Activity, there are a lot of things you could measure there, and there are metrics that may, might fall in there that um, that don't actually make sense. For example, I could measure how many commits are made, but maybe that's not an, a relevant metric for activity um, that's good to measure. So it's really the space framework I would see as something to, to um, support a discussion around what's important for us to measure mm -hmm. and so that we cover all of those five um, dimensions and get a good insight into the developer productivity and experience in our teams. And uh, then, for example, the answer can also be we have a we have a, um, a survey uh, that backs most of those dimensions in in that survey. So we don't need a lot of metrics to measure mm -hmm. because, um, of course, when we have a lot of metrics to measure, then um, we also need to make sure okay, how do we make sense of all of that? How do we put that all together? Uh, when this metric goes up but another metric goes down, is that good? Is that bad? Or does it depend on, on something else? So. Uh, I and like also in the past, I don't really have seen that metrics created a lot of value and clarity for most engineering teams mm -hmm. because teams very much know where they lose time, what frustrates them, what what their bottleneck is. For example, do they have a lot of incidents or do they have flaky tests that always interrupt them or do they have too many meetings? The teams know. So the question is, if they already know, and we can figure that out with the teams together, then do we really need a metric to prove that once we remove those bottlenecks, it gets better? Or can we just ask the team again how they now feel about their work? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, I find that this gives us much more uh, insights and a much uh, clearer picture than looking at all those metrics because they go up and down and there's there's some noise in there. People go on vacation and uh, the deployments go down. People come back and the deployments go up. All these kind of things. <laughs> Sit up uh, all the time. Yeah. It's a lot of data and a lot of noise. And in the end, we are thinking, okay, what does this metric tell us? Mm, probably it's going fine. Or no, maybe it's going up uh, down a bit too much. So maybe we have a problem here. Not sure yet. And then what are you doing then? Of course, you're asking the, the team uh, how it feels. You, you look into the retrospectives and see what what are the topics that are coming up this kind of these kind of things so i personally won't spend too much time on finding the right metrics to measure i would straight ask the teams okay yeah no that's, that's super super interesting because yeah i i'm a big believer in retros and having conversations with teams to figure out what's going on but obviously you don't have to wait for a predefined um time slot to do that um what kind of stuff do you have you found um developers are giving you feedback on and which ones of them do you think are harder to solve than others so um of course a lot uh, some <laughs> of those that are easier to fix are usually like oh this build takes too long or this these tests are too flaky um, like the technical things are usually the ones that you can fix more easily because then you go dive into the build and find out where the issue is, why it is too slow, what you can do about this, then you, then you fix it and that can have a huge boost in productivity. 
uh, and also, of course, satisfaction. Some things that are more difficult to um, change is, of course, when we come to organizational structures, for example, when you have uh, different departments and you have the engineering teams in one, and then you have an operations team because you are still not understanding how to do DevOps. Uh, and then uh, the uh, engineering teams hand over their deployments to the operations teams in, in a meeting uh, once a week or twice a week or every two weeks. Uh, just for the operations team to run those deployments and operate the system. And of course, that's frustrating for engineers because they cannot move to faster deployments. They always are blocked by another team before they get feedback from production. And uh, they need another meeting to hand over this deployment, this artifact to another team. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, something that's super frustrating, that's slowing teams down a lot and has a huge impact. Uh, and changing that, of course, involves at least two teams, sometimes even different managers, and uh, sometimes even two areas of an organization in the worst case. And you need to get everybody on board uh, to understand why this is a problem and what we could do instead, for example, developing the operations team more into a platform team that provides safe service capabilities for doing deployments and doing the monitoring and so on, so that they provide the infrastructure and the support um, to, to learn about those, but that they don't do the actual deployments. Mm -hmm. And then we can remove this bottleneck, right? Then we increase the flow of the engineering team. So uh, in the end, the goal is um, also their team topologies come into play. The goal is that um, an engineering team or a product team can, can own a value stream or a slice of a value stream from the customer idea to uh, delivering the artifact to the customer without any dependencies uh, on other teams where we need to wait for other teams because this is this is frustrating but uh, fixing that and changing the team structures and how they interact with each other that's mm -hmm. a lot more difficult because there, there we are not only dealing with code and ci pipelines but we are dealing with humans human relationships team structures sometimes also responsibilities mm -hmm. and uh, like how many teams belong to a manager so there's also personal interest involved uh, that makes it makes it difficult. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, so we've identified that we have problems. We just identified those metrics that we should or shouldn't be using, um, and we know that ultimately it comes down to shaping the environment where the engineers. Uh, I think the phrase you might have used was something like um, outstanding experience um, and outstanding work. So they have the perfect place for them to work and produce what they need to work. Um, so you are a agile coach, is that a technical agile coach? Is that correct? Um, I'm a little bit of everything. A bit of everything. I'm, I'm, I'm a technical coach uh, for agile software teams. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a consultant um, around technical and engineering leadership. Yeah and uh, organizational cool. development. So if I was to hire in a technical agile coach to help with this, what would be the kind of things they would um, be looking at doing? Because I know that on your blog post, you link to a developer experience assessment, I think that you do. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe mm -hmm. you could talk about what that is. Yes. So what I realized when talking to companies is that, of course, everybody is now measuring Dora metrics. Unfortunately, our tools made this really, really easy. <laughs> but what is far more um, difficult for people is to 
develop surveys to understand the developer experience of their teams and um, to make sense of the data they get. So um, when, when you develop and run a survey, of course, you have diff difficult, different challenges. First, understand what kind of questions should I ask because I can just not ask everything. Otherwise, nobody will answer the survey because it takes two hours to answer all the questions. And then once you have the survey, you need to get it out to, to everybody, um, to the target audience, like all the engineers and maybe other people in the product area to get feedback. And then you have the question, is there a lot of engagement with the survey? Otherwise, the data will not be so relevant. And the developer experience assessment is uh, my service that helps companies to do exactly this. So first of all, it starts with the briefing with one of the leaders of the company who wants to have that for their area. And we understand, okay, what what kind of um, uh, topics could be interesting, but um, I'm not only um, listening to the leader, but I also talk to four people in the organization to understand what they what they see, uh, like different uh, perspectives on, on the engineering organization of certain people. And then finally, with all that knowledge I, and my own expertise, of course, I will create a survey that is tailored to the organization and then uh, executed with them inside of the organization and create a report of the results and my suggestions. So this also should help with a selling developer experience improvement initiatives to non-technical folks, because also something that I noticed is that uh, engineers and sometimes also tech leads are very good at understanding the technical issues and solving them, but they are sometimes struggling with uh, communicating them to non-technical people that in the end make the decisions. So sometimes you have a non-technical manager who then thinks, yeah, but why should we do this? We have business priorities, we have this feature, and we assume this feature gives us revenue X. So um, then the question is, how does this developer experience initiative fits in? And quite often, that's then why those initiatives uh, do not happen or are depriorized forever, uh, because engineers cannot make a valid business case out of those. And that's kind of where my assessment also helps to, to show how does that impact the productivity? How much time do we waste? How much does it affect the frustration of engineers? And maybe what are the most important things that we can first address? And of course, then if there is desire by the client, I'm moving in with them into a long-term partnership to help their teams to remove those bottlenecks and to train the people on what we found out that is missing. So that's then the next step. But the first step is, is knowing what, what the issues are. And then I move in. Um, you also ask about the technical agile coach and what, yeah. what they should do. Is that right? Yeah. I would say it depends a bit on what kind of technical um, coach you are looking for. So what I what I do with clients uh, when I work as a technical agile coach mm -hmm. with teams is that I'm collaborating with them a lot and pairing with them on their day-to-day -day work challenges to also see where do they struggle. Do is it about unsure, uh, that they are unsure how to test a certain thing, or is it that uh, they again have some issues with the ICD, for example, that I observe that builds take very long, or that they have a very complicated branching model or that there is some power dynamics within the team that influences their collaboration so that there's um, that are people not speaking up or just uh, sitting there quiet in, in collaboration and also meetings. So it's a mixture of uh, technical coaching on, on, on the coding, on architecture design, testing, automation, all these kind of things, 
Uh, and on top of that is also, of course, the agile software perspective. And to me, it means I'm asking a lot of questions, sometimes unpleasant questions, mm -hmm. like why do you estimate story points or um, why do you do dailies? Uh, which doesn't mean that I say nobody should ever do dailies, but it means have you thought about why you are doing them and what the value for you is? And um, so, yeah, I'm observing them kind of um, and work with them uh, as an external kind of technical lead, uh, mm -hmm. looking into the factors that uh, improve their technical excellence, but also, of course, with that, looking into the factors that improve satisfaction, happiness, and with that, then also, again, retention of engineers. So these are kind of the topics that I would cover there. So um, yeah, in general, with uh, for a technical coach, I would um, check with them if they have the experience that that we need in the organization. So if if they know the tech stack or at least um, have seen a lot of tech stacks that they can that they can um, support valuable insights and outside perspective and uh, ask uh, interesting and thought provoking questions mm -hmm. to the engineering team. And then of course, um, yeah, it's more also, uh, do I like this person uh, and uh, do I think I can trust this person? And does this person fit in from how they work, how, how um, their attitude? Mm -hmm. So this is very helpful. And of course, also have they worked on similar projects? For example, if I have um, a technical agile coach who always only worked on uh, iOS apps in the past with teams, they might not be the right technical coach for a team that's working on uh, backend infrastructure or software as a mm -hmm. service products because challenges there are a lot different, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think um, as a technical leader myself, it's definitely given me a lot of forethought because, again, like everything is, companies, like you say, are obsessed with metric-driven <laughs> reporting. And um, mm -hmm. I think you as a technical leader can kind of slip into that behavior. And what you're saying to me today really makes total sense of like, how we as leadership for the technical forget the business as a whole for a moment but as a technical leadership we should definitely be looking at how we can make our teams better um and i don't mean better in a negative sense right i mean just everyone's happier everyone's more productive everyone's yeah. just working towards the same goal right so mm -hmm. what i will 100 do is i'll share the link to your engineer unblock.engineering website because the blog posts on there there's just so many of them and they're all great <laughs> for getting deep diving into all this information and we wouldn't have enough time in a blog uh, in a podcast to go through all of the stuff that you've got but um on your website i noticed that you are looking like you you obviously offer services you offer potentially workshops and talks and things like that so i'm definitely going to try and sign up to one of these workshops come and come and learn something um do you want to just uh, tell everyone about the Unblocked Engineering website a little bit more and what that is? Yes, sure. Um, so Unblocked Engineering is the business that I started uh, basically beginning of this year. Um, before that, I was working as a software engineer and tech lead as a freelancer. But the Unblocked Engineering came from uh, my realization that there is a need for, um, for coaching, mentoring, consulting, and training around uh, technical excellence uh, and that uh, involves the developer experience and developer productivity topic which is very close to my heart of course but in, it involves everything else from day-to-day -day work of engineering teams 
uh, up to software architecture, team structure, technical leadership. And um, I finally bundled all of this together in uh, a package that's called the Excellence and Happiness Partnership. Uh, and this package kind of is my offer for any engineering team uh, in software companies between 15 to 70 people in product and engineering that uh, want a partner at their side to improve their technical excellence, their engineering excellence, and the happiness of their engineering teams. And that's kind of a long-term engagement with me as, as a partner for all those topics and everything we talked about, and of course, much more. Um, yeah, if that's interesting, you can look it up too. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure there will definitely be people here listening going, I need to, to go and find that out. Um, now, um, da, 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 da. obviously we could go on about this for ages, and um, I highly recommend everyone to go and read the blog post that obviously brought me to you, which is why we need to stop measuring developer productivity, and it's split into two parts, but I think you have a longer form version of it on your Substack as well. Um, so I'll, I'll link to both of those. And mm -hmm. then if they've got any questions, come and speak to Tobias. Um, so one thing I ask all my guests that come onto the channel uh, is mm -hmm. to recommend a book. And the book doesn't have to be technical. doesn't have to be. It can be your childhood favorite story. It can be anything. But some people give a couple. So feel free to do that as well. But basically on my... Uh, podcast website I have a bookshelf and all the books go on there so yeah okay so um, then the first book uh, that I would like to recommend is uh, Reinventing Organizations from Frederick Laloux uh, it's about organizational design and um, uh, like stages of organizational development and for everybody who only knows classical hierarchical companies it can be very eye-opening to see what other companies are there, how they can work uh, without, for example, hierarchical management and leadership. And for me, it was just um, very eye-opening to see uh, how that can be possible. I, I worked in a company that partially um, used some of those ideas as well. For example, a um, decision-making process that was very, very great because it involved everybody and allowed everybody to bring in their attentions and propose a change to the organization. And so that's a really cool book and it's really well written. I can highly recommend that. And of course, then, um, because we already mentioned that uh, the Accelerate book is still, still really a great book to read um, on um, uh, DevOps basically, but also uh, it's interesting for everybody who is in software engineering and thinks how can we develop uh, better software faster. So um, it's cool and it's backed on, on with a lot of research. So uh, that's another good book I can recommend. Awesome. And I can can go on um, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> I'll tell you what, give us one more. One more. Let's do it. <laughs> one more. Yeah. Okay, then I need to choose which one I, which one I chose. <laughs> um, okay, maybe... Um, Let's, uh, oh yeah, let's uh, uh, take this one because it's also a leadership podcast. So Leadership is Language by um, David L. Marquette is about how, how we can lead and how what we say and what we don't say influences uh, our way of leading teams. So it's really cool. And I really love his story. He is um, 
he is or he was the captain of a US submarine and um, quite a hierarchical um, organization, you would say. And he also wrote another book, an earlier one, Turn the Ship Around, which is quite popular, where he moved from this classical command and control kind of leadership to a more intent-based leadership approach. So both of those two books I can definitely recommend. Okay, perfect. I've written them down. They will go on the bookshelf. Awesome. Now, um, before you go, um, could you give everyone a little rundown of where to find you online, um, you know, social, website, etc.? Sure. Um, uh, the, obviously, uh, unblocked.engineering is uh, the, my website. So there you can find me. Uh, and of course, also on LinkedIn, it's Tobias Mende. Um, maybe we can also link it. And those are the most popular chan channels where you can get in touch with me uh, kind of immediately. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming online to talk about this subject matter is something I'm really now obsessed with and I need to go away and uh, read a lot more and I'm definitely going to add all those books to my uh, to my Amazon and get them ordered um, yeah so really appreciate it and um, hope to speak to you again soon yeah thank, thank you, you for having me no it was, was a lot of fun and really enjoyed being on this podcast thank you thank you